0: service, but I want to, wow, thank you choir, did an awesome job this morning, Taylor, great job on that song, and of course, Matthew, dude, awesome, awesome, he is amazing, and you know what, Sister McCoy, I love you, I can't count how many times I've seen this proud mama sitting on that front pew with her little iPhone up there, recording every bit of her children when they were up here. She's a good mom, and I love that. I want you to stand for the reading of God's Word as we look into His Word today in the few minutes that we have. I want to talk about a season of exchange, and I put in a little subtitle there that says, there's a shifting. And no, Gary and I didn't get together on that either. So I appreciate the way the leading of the Spirit is here today. You know, the Lord intends to lead you and to guide you into your life. He wants to lead you into truth and get you to heaven. God loves you more than you love yourself and more than anybody else loves you. God means for you to be a success in finding him. He wants to do what he can in your life to cause you to know him in the power of his might. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. You know, this is the scripture, and it's wisdom. Solomon was all known for his wisdom. And he said these words in verse 1. He said, to everything there is a season, a time, for every purpose under heaven. If anybody ever asks you, well, you know, does God know what's going on in my life? You go back and you quote this scripture too. To everything there is a season... A time for every purpose under heaven. It goes on and it says a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to pluck up what is planted. A time to kill, a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to gain and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to throw away time to tear and a time to sew. A time to keep silence and then there's a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time of war and a time of peace. He has made everything beautiful in its time. God works on a time and in our lives Solomon was being wise when he was making reference to the fact that this is our life. Solomon was being wise and honoring and looking at the life of humanity he was looking at humanity when he wrote these words he's pointing out this is life but in it god has seasons and purpose in all that we do there is a, a destiny jeremiah 29 11 says for i know the plans that i have for you declares the lord it plans to prosper you to give you hope give you a future and give you health he wants to, his people to be successful. He doesn't want us to miss what he's doing in our lives. John chapter 20 and verse 19, another verse of scripture, and we're going to pray and be seated. We're going to talk about this as we close today, so I want to give you this scripture up front so you can be thinking about it. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side, and the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. So Father, we ask your blessings on your word today, pray that you'll Move me out of the way and that they will hear the message that you've laid on this preacher for this service for your people. And I thank you for it as we are challenged and spoken to by your Holy Spirit. We will, Lord, respond to you. In Jesus' name, amen. You see be seated. Well, we've been singing and we've been talking about the spiritual shift. This thing that we've been talking about, there is a breaking... There is a shifting. You know, to the average person walking in our church on a Sunday morning, they, they might need a little further explanation. You know, what is what is it you guys are talking about? What is this ship shift that's going on? Not a ship. We're not going to go on a trip. But if you remember, in November, we received a word from the Lord, and the Lord talked about a shift. I normally, you know... I don't just believe anything and everybody tells me, you know, I've had a lot of people over the years say, you know, well, I heard from the Lord and I I need to tell you what the Lord told me about you or about me or about the church. And, and, you know, as a good pastor and discerning the voice of the Lord, the Bible says, my sheep know my voice. So I always investigate that out. And I don't just follow everybody's word left and right and following around everybody. I, I want to know, and it gets confirmed to me that it's from the Lord I've learned to discern his voice. You know, there was one time a lady met me over here in the corner, and she had waited about 30 minutes to talk to me after service. And, and Jeff, she waited, waited and waited, and finally I said, can, can I help you? And she said, yeah, i got to tell you something. I said, what are you going to tell me? And she said, the Lord told me something about you. I said, well, he did. I said, well, what did he tell you? And she said, well, she goes, Lord told me you're my next husband. there was only one problem. Her husband was alive and well. (laughs) So not everybody that comes to you and tells you that they've heard from the Lord is hearing from the Lord. And I can guarantee you she didn't hear from the Lord because she passed away and he ended up from life insurance driving a big old Corvette in town. So I don't know how that all played out. This was many years ago, so I'm not making fun of anybody she, she didn't hear from the Lord. Sometimes we've got to be discerning and we've got to understand that the Lord is speaking. And when he does, we've got to prepare ourselves for what he says and what he's speaking to us. And it was in November that we received a word on that Sunday morning. If you were here, you remember there was a mighty outpouring of the Spirit, a lot like we've seen today. This was a wonderful presence of the Holy Spirit here today. And, and it was... That Sunday morning I was standing right over here that the word came to me that there is a shift that's coming to this church and and into my life as pastor. And I knew immediately when that word was spoken, I knew that it was from God. And I, you know, I'm not gonna tell you I immediately discerned and had a vision and I understood exactly what that meant. I received the word and then I went to prayer. What does that mean, God? What are you speaking? What are you saying? I mean, it's not something that you re- regularly hear at church. I mean, let's be real for a minute. I like to be real. I like to talk about, you know, you know. I'm not, if you know me, you know, I don't like religious stuff. I don't like religion, you know, and I know that's terrible as a pastor. Somebody says, well, what in the world is he doing up there? Because, you know, I found out as I read a whole lot in this word, I found out that it was all the religious people that put Jesus on the cross. All those people all caught up in, their positions and titles and their rewards and all that stuff, people that were just all about religion so that they could turn their nose up at others and judge them and condemn them and gossip about them and put them down and make themselves feel better. I ain't got time for all that. What's that? The cash me outside. I don't have no time for that. But I do believe in relationship with Jesus and that we can know him intimately. But it's not something you hear in church when someone says there's going to be a shift, and, and amazingly enough, after that word, it was we went to Tennessee and we were down in Tennessee at a conference, and Gary and I and Brian and and Richard we heard this song. There is a breaking in my favor. There is a shifting in my direction, and we we heard those words we were blown away and it was just a great conference and God was just confirming and he's been confirming ever since his word over this church but like I said it's not something you hear often so I've had to really search out Lord what are you speaking and what are you saying to us as a congregation as a body of Christ we don't normally just say well welcome to church today today is shift sunday I mean, people are going to be like, what? I'm out of here. I don't know what y'all are up to. We're not really, you know, and just, oh, come this next week. Every night we're going to be in a shift revival. I'd be like, okay, so a third shift, second shift, what is, what is that? But when we understand and we start to, to focus on what God is talking about, when he's talking about a shift He's talking about a breaking, and he's talking about how he's leading and guiding. And what he's saying right there is that he's fixing to, to do something that's going to change everything. When he talks about a shift, he's talking about, you know, everything that you've done up to this point, the normal routine is fixing to change. He's going to do something seismic. He's going to do something amazing. He's going to do something that changes your course, your direction. I can't plan a shift i i can't get up in the morning and say lord today i'm asking you to just lead me into a shift change my direction lord change my life let there be a breaking in me today father i pray Now we can't do that 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 you can't plan for the shiftings that come in our direction that lead us and guide us from god but much like forecasters weather forecasters who can tell when the weather's taking a turn. I I watched this summer as we had hurricanes, and and they were trying to to decide the path of these hurricanes. And I saw, you know, the European model and the American model, and you'd see all kinds, sometimes six, seven different paths, and and nobody nobody really knowing exactly what path this hurricane was going to take, but they were good at watching and analyzing and measuring the jet stream, and and the, the technology has changed. I mean, back in... Charles Ingalls' day, they they would just look up at the sky and see clouds and say, I think it's going to rain. Nowadays, we get days ahead of time. And we can tell exactly if a tornado is coming, where it's going to I've heard in Oklahoma they can, literally find, they can literally measure the clouds and figure out where the funnel clouds are going to develop. And they can literally warn a city and tell them that the tornado's on the way. It's amazing what we can do now as you measure the jet streams, as you look at the barometric pressures, and you look at the clouds and the walls and the formations and how it all works. I can't even begin to understand it no more than I understand the fact that the earth is made of this mantle and crust and the core and the inner core, and we've got all these layers that are working together and and the earth itself is literally made, if you don't know it, with, with what they call these tectonic plates. And these plates that are that that are that are all together. It's like the whole earth is like a big cracked egg. If you're a teacher here today, you're probably going crazy right now with my explanation but it's like puzzle pieces put together and and those tectonic plates they they have a tendency to move and shift and change and that's how the world our earth adapts and and unfortunately when those some of those plates move like they do energy comes from some of those layers and as the the edges are coming together it causes explosions that that are energetic the bigger than you and i could ever imagine and then we get what's known as earthquakes All of these things work together, but they're able to look at these things and see that when there's a shifting and when there is a change, when there is an an exchange, if you will, one takes the place of another, that something detrimental, something huge happens and changes everything. When they're watching for hurricanes, they know when to give us the order to batten down the hatches. But with all of their knowledge, what I love is that they're still, a, they're still not able to absolutely pin it down every time. Every now and again, uh, they've got all their models for the hurricane, and they've got it all lined up. And then all of a sudden, the guy comes on TV, and he says, Well, you know, we had an unforeseen shift in the jet stream, and the hurricane is now headed to Cincinnati. And we're like, are you kidding me? That wasn't in the forecast. It was an unexpected shift that's now headed our way. So when the Lord began to speak about this shifting, and I began to relate it spiritually to a spiritual atmosphere, I could tell the weeks prior to that service on Sunday morning that, that God was speaking and God was doing something amazing. We had testimonies of people having answered prayers and and all kinds of things. Uh, uh, Prodigal sons and daughters were were coming back to the Lord and getting saved and things were changing and things were happening that were amazing. And I began to put that together spiritually and I realized there was an exchange taking place. There was a miracle. There was something taking place that was, was going to move. It's going to move everything. We've been in these life situations and I believe that I'm telling you this morning, under the unction of the Holy Spirit, that there is a shifting that's coming to you individually and to us as a church. But it's not just for us alone. It's something that's happening, I believe, worldwide, because we're getting ready right now. We're close, very close, to the coming of the Lord. I'm not watching for radars, and I'm not looking to the Senate, and the House to come up with all my answers anymore. I'm more and more every day, as I said this last Sunday, I'm listening for a trumpet to sound. And I'm waiting for there to be something seismic, something huge, a shift such as we've never seen before. But what I've known about the Lord is this. He wants us to know the seasons of His, of his exchanges. He wants us to know the seasons of His work and His shifting in our lives. So he's letting us know right now that there's something up. He's letting us know right now to be expecting something. You see, I believe that when we get, when we get all the warnings and we get all the, the the promptings and the technology that leads us and guides us and, and we're looking at the weather outside, we're knowing that, man, a storm is coming. We've got to get our... Get our Things tighten down and we've got to put everything together in a safe place. It's just the exact same thing. He said we would never know the hour or the day that he's coming, but we would know the season that he's coming. We would know the timing that he's coming. And I'm telling you, I believe as a pastor, I'm telling you something very historically important. I'm believing that it was over 2,000 years ago that something very seismic, a big shift took place as Jesus left the throne next to the Father and he took a ride down. In the chariots of heaven's angels all around him, he went down to Bethlehem and became that son of God there in that manger, coming lowly, humbly to live in this life and world and to present himself as the ultimate and living sacrifice for our sins. It changed everything. They didn't follow the old law. They didn't follow the old uh, mosaic Uh, stipulations and they didn't go through the sacrifices. That was all changed. I'm here to tell you and I believe I'm telling you with an anointing behind me this morning. You need to hear what I'm saying. There is fixing to be a shifting and a change once more in the history of the church. God is getting ready to do something amazing. He's getting ready to do something amazing. When it was time for the children of Israel to stop wandering around the mountain. It was God who spoke through the prophet and said, he spoke to me, he said, you have come past this mountain long enough. Turn you northward. And I believe the Lord has looked at this earth and this world and looked at how evil and wicked it's become and all the signs of the Old Testament prophecies and New Testament prophecies are all lining up just right. And I believe that we are at a place where the Father is looking at the Holy Spirit and looking at the Son. And I believe there's a rustling in heaven. I believe the angels know something's up. And a good Christian that spends time in the presence of God, you also know there's something up. I believe there is something going on in the heavens and we need to be aware of it. And we need to be expecting like someone who's been sitting in a waiting room, just waiting for the word. I, I think we ought to be understanding that it's just about any minute that he's going to come out of the waiting room, come into the waiting room where we are. He's going to call our name and it's time for us to go. I'm making uh, relative to that because a few days ago I was at a, at a surgeon's office and I was waiting and there was all these people in, in the waiting room. And I kept thinking, oh, I'll be here all day. You know, they're never going to get to me. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, almost as if I was bumped up to the front, there was a shift in the schedule. The lady comes out and says, Ray Phillips. I'm like, yes, ma'am. Went right in. And I knew then that I wasn't waiting any longer. I was no longer in the waiting room filling out paperwork. I was no longer there waiting for the next move and the next step. I, My name was called. And then I went through that big old door and I went back where I was supposed to be and took care of business. I'm telling you, we have been in the waiting room long enough. God has said, you've walked around in this wilderness for long enough. It's time for something great. It's time for a shifting. It's time for a, an exchange. Because God don't just change things. Now, I'm going I'm to mess up your world. In the scriptures that we read in Isaiah chapter 43, Starting with verse 15, he says, I am the Lord, your holy one, the creator of Israel, your king. Thus saith the Lord, which maketh a way in the sea and a path in the mighty waters. And then the very next ber- verse, he, he says, Not only did I make a way for the children of Israel to walk through on dry ground, make, I made a way in the sea and a path in the mighty waters. He says, which also bringeth forth the chariot and horse, the army and the power, and they shall lie down together and they shall not rise. In other words, he completely destroyed in the same path that he brought deliverance to the child of God, he brought their, the deliverance from their enemies. They shall not rise, they are extinct, and they are quenched as tow. Remember ye not the former things, he says, though, neither consider the things of old. The things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth, you shall, shall you not know it? Shall you not know it? See, the worst thing that could happen right now, as so much is going on, and I believe spiritually, in the atmosphere, there is so much spiritually happening, and God is ordering, and, and the, the Teutonic plates of heaven and earth, the will of God and the will of man coming together. I believe that all of this is changing, and there's all kinds of uh, of situations where, where, where the, the breaking and the favor and the shifting is taking place and we're expecting a major, major deal and the problem with that would be that we would sit here week after week part of the family of God and we would sit idly by listening to the worship, listening to the word, being in the middle of all this shifting and miss it. And miss it. Behold, I will do a new thing. He says, Shall you not know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. He's not going to change things. He's going to exchange them. It's important for us because the human way of us dealing with ourselves and dealing with problems is that we want change. Can I tell you something that may rock your world and you may want to vote me out today? I don't believe God is in the business of changing you or me or even our circumstances. Somebody goes, oh no, pastors went off the deep end. I don't believe he's in the business of changing things. You see, the human way of dealing with ourselves is we we pray, oh Lord, change us. Change our attitude, Lord. Change my behavior, Jesus. Change my mind. Change my life. Lord, I just give you my circumstances. Would you change things, Lord? Change me. We spend so much time focused on change that we don't understand that I think that's the problem with the modern-day church today. There's too many people that's just walking around repaired, and not replaced, changed, and not exchanged. I believe the Lord is about the business of doing much more than just changing. I, I, I got a car. I, got a, I like my car. I, it's the only real big thing I like to do, and every eight years I buy a new car. Well, this last year, that car got crashed Twice. None of it was my fault. I was hit by other people every time. And I was disheartened. I was a witness. The one lady who hit me, I ended up crying and putting my arm around her. And, and she was crying. And I was just like, it's going to be okay. And she's like, where are you, Pastor? And I'm like, "At Stratford Heights, right down the street. She's like, oh, I'm going to come to your church. And I think she was just trying to get out of the problem because she never showed up. But... She was so upset after she hit my car that I had my arm around her and was comforting her. And, and then the second one, you know, they was hit and run. The lady was coming over the line, the three passengers we were all in the car together. Cameron cries out and says, she's in our lane, and she sure was. And she went trailing right into us and tore up the whole front front of my car all the way back to my bumper and left it all on the road. And we're sitting there, and she's gone. She's left. Total, the first... Repair was $13,000. The second repair was $12,900. Yeah, and they didn't total it. So I'm driving around in a car that's $26,000 worth of repairs and ain't worth 15. And you know what? It drives like it. It drives like it's been repaired. It drives like it's been wrecked. Every time I get in it, I'm sad. I drive down the road and people will say, Oh, you got a nice car. I'm like, No, it ain't nice. (laughs) It wobbles and it leans. And when I come up to stop signs, it jumps. It's not the same. You see, we're not in this and, and God's not in this to just repair you. God's not in this to just fix you, change you. God wants to replace you. He wants to give you a new mind and a new heart. He says, old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. He didn't want to help you with your anger and change your attitude. He wants to give you the mind of Christ. He says, let this mind being you, Which was also in Christ Jesus. He didn't come to just pat you on the back and leave you where you are in your old self with your old grumpiness and your old whininess. He didn't, he didn't come to just save you in your sin and try to make you smell better. He came down. The blood of Jesus Christ was powerful enough that he can transform you and turn you into somebody completely different. You go from being a son of man to being a son or a daughter of God. That's what he wants to do. He didn't come to change us. He didn't come to change us. He came to to completely replace us. As humans, we're always trying to repair. So many people, well, well, this is just the way I am. And he's still working on me to make me what he wants to be. Don't sing that anymore. I, I even got on Gary this morning. He's going to have to take that song out of the repertoire. Change my heart, oh God. No, you can change the word to exchange my heart, oh God, because He wants to give you a new start, brand new start. When I exchange something to Kohl's, I go in there with something broken. I'll take it up to the counter. They don't just say, well, hold on just a minute and send it to the back and somebody's back there hammering, nailing, and putting it all together. And they bring it back out and say, here you go, good as new. No, I see a big old sign up there at the counter. It says, exchanges and returns. The Lord wants to give you and I an exchange. He wants to turn things around. So the shifting that He does, when He does it, He does it so well. He does it so perfectly that it takes you in a whole new direction. It totally changes everything. And he's getting ready to do that with us. In his word, it it talks so much. And he talks in Isaiah, giving us an Old Testament example of how he replaces. He says, I'll give you beauty for ashes. I'll give you joy for your mourning. I'll give you praise, a a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, so that you may be oaks, trees, the planting of the Lord. He wants you to be solid and on a solid foundation. He doesn't want you to live your life falling and failing in everything you do. It's Christ in me. Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ. It's not I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live, which is victorious, I'm an overcomer, I'm a conqueror, I'm a warrior of God. That life that I now live, I live by faith, in faith. Of the one who gave his life for me. That truth right there lets us know. He is in the business of exchanging. There's a shift that's going on. Not something old and repaired. But something brand new. He said in Revelation 21. He said. Then he who sat on the throne said. Behold I make all things new. He's faithful and he's true. He's called us out of the waiting room. And into the delivery room. Something's being birthed in us. Something's being birthed in the earth. And God is up to something amazing. This shift that's going on, it's going to affect lost souls. It's going to bring sons and daughters, prodigals home. It's going to bring, I'm believing a revival of this year. By the time we get to 2018, we will have had prayer meetings, prayer services, fastings. I'm, I think uh, I didn't tell you earlier, I want to challenge you. I did the first service For the next 21 days, starting tomorrow, January 8th through 28th, I'm asking the church, you find, you and God, search out the formula and the means that you want, but I'm asking our church to within those 21 days to spend time fasting and praying and believing for the prodigals and for the lost to come to him this year. I believe that's an important mission, that we need to be focused on the lost. It's time that we stop worrying about having church and we start building the church and making sure that our sons and daughters. How many of you in here would say with me, you'd say, I have lost loved ones in my family. Man, what are we doing? We've got to be focused on doing everything in our power to make sure they understand the revelation love of Jesus Christ. That he can go right where they are. You don't have to get in the car and go over to their house today. You can just pray right now. Lord, I pray for a shift in their life. I'm praying for an exchange in their direction. I'm praying that you will touch them and minister right where they are right now this morning. They might be sitting at the restaurant having lunch, but God, arrest their soul and touch their heart and bring them to a knowledge of the saving power of Jesus Christ. It's going to be a year where the shift is going to affect souls. It's going to affect our hearts, us as Christians, so that we're not selfish anymore. There's been a selfishness, an epidemic of selfism that has hit the church, not only the church, but the world. The world's been selfish for a long time, but I'm afraid it's bled into the church where a lot of folks are selfish. They they have their own agendas. They only worry about themselves and what they want. I'm telling you, that's not who Christ was. Christ was about giving and giving, serving and taking a towel and putting it around himself and washing the feet of even the one that would betray him this is Jesus he what would Jesus do Jesus would love the unlovable he would reach out for those who are outcasts he would try it to send the message of love to every human being I had someone just the other day who asked me would your church welcome a homosexual who is trying to get their life together I said well why not don't they need a pastor and a church now more than they've ever needed them in their life why would we ever ask a question like that Come all ye who thirst and buy wine and milk from the Father. It gives freely. We're searching for, we want the prostitution uh, ring to feel like they can visit our church. We want the drunk and the alcoholics and the drug addicted. We want these people to know if you're looking for God, you don't have to run very far. Just come up here on the hill. We'll welcome you right here in this house. Somebody had told this lady, that the pastor of the church where this young man was going, had a meeting with him and told him he was no longer welcome at their church. Go get help. I don't understand if we're not a lighthouse, if we're not a hospital, if we're not the place where the lost can run to, then what are we? Nothing more than a country club and a members-only society. And you know what? I ain't got time for that. Not interested in that. You want to do religion and have you a cute little club where everybody, we decide who's the best and who's the most talented and who's the richest and who's got the most power and who's got this political. And if that's what you want, there are plenty of churches down the road where they love that. You go be with them. You can go to heaven from another church. Boy, I must be anointed. I'm saying terrible stuff. (laughs) I believe in a hill called Mount Calvary. And I believe that the blood that He spilled at that cross, I know it's ugly. I know it's terrible. I know it's a horrifying scene. But if it weren't for the master, if it wasn't for the Savior, I wouldn't be standing here today because there is not one of us in here who's good enough to go to heaven. Not one of us that's good enough, that's smart enough to get to heaven. Not one of us are worthy to come in our nice looking clothes on a Sunday morning. Not one of us deserve the mercy and the grace that's been given to us. Not one of us can save ourselves. Not one of us can get in any other way. Yes, it's true. All roads do lead to God. But only one leads to eternal life. Every man, every woman will stand before God no matter what road you choose. Atheists will stand before God. But there's one road. Jesus looked at his disciples and Thomas was asking the question and he said, how can we know the way and where you are going? And Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Jesus gave us right there everything we need to understand the gospel. It's through him. I love you with an everlasting love, says the Lord. Within my power is the ability to deliver you. It was my blood that purchased the salvation that you have experienced, and it is my blood that will see you through to overcoming victory. Look to me. Lean hard upon my promises and my truth. Let my wisdom from the word that you have Let that lead you and guide you into the victory that is promised you. Have I not said I will be your strength? Have I not told you that I will be your joy? That I will be your peace? Look to me now. No longer look to yourself and trust in the flesh to guide and direct you into the overcoming desire you have in your heart. Look to the hills where I belong and will supply. Trust me, says God. And I will show you my glory. Hallelujah. If you're new to our church, this, we believe, and we're a spirit-filled church, and we believe in the operation of the gifts. Tongues and interpretation is the Holy Spirit allowing his words and his truth to seal the word of God. So I would ask you this morning, if you would, to stand with me. Romans 12 and 1 says I beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice holy acceptable to God which is your reasonable service and do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God you know our responsibility is to put ourselves in position Put ourselves in position. I'm going to try to, I have like five pages left, but I'm going to wrap it all up in two minutes. We're to put ourselves in position. You have to do something. And the something that you have to do is you have to put yourself in the position of where God can favor you, bless you, can work in your life. That's your responsibility. We call it surrender. You have to surrender your life you have to allow Him to be Lord of your life. You have to give Him that. He's given you free will. He, you can accept Him or reject Him. And can I say this about the shifting? The shifting, Francella. we can miss it. Everybody else in the room can know what's happening. Everybody else can have the scoop and know the power of the Holy Spirit is at work in the earth. This shifting that God is doing in the kingdom. You can be in the pew on Sunday. You can be here week after week. But it is possible for you to miss the shift. You say, I can't do that, Pastor. That's right, you can't. Don't you dare. I read you the scripture about the disciples On Sunday night, sitting in a room locked behind doors in fear, they missed it. They missed it. I mean, when when you really think about that, I mean, for some reason in my mind, I read it before and I I thought, well, maybe it was Saturday. But it says, on the first day of the week, in the evening. So Jesus is already risen. Mary's already saw him and talked to him and said, I, he's called her name. And the men on the Emmaus road have already had this experience where they said, man, wasn't your heart burning within you as he walked and talked with us along the way? He'd already been seeing graves. had been bursting up all over town wherever he went. He was risen. He was a resurrected Savior. The Messiah had come and word was spreading all over Facebook that he was alive. He was alive and well. And here's the ones that was closest to him. Here's the ones that were part of his family, the ones that, that followed him and went along with him in ministry, gathered up the 12 baskets when he fed the 12,000. He, the, they're all hanging off to the side and they're locked up in fear in this room on Sunday night. Why? What was the problem? It probably, I, know, I've got, I, I would need way more time But it probably goes back to the fact that when he was being tried in front of the Sanhedrin and Pontius Pilate was pronouncing judgment, they were nowhere to be found. Probably had something to do with Peter who was standing in the back of the room, kind of wringing his hands as he remembered that three different times he had denied the Lord, cursed and said he didn't even know Him. That's why he was in fear. That's why he was hiding. That's why he was behind locked doors. These are the family, man. These are the dudes. These are the people, the disciples. They were with him. There was only 10 of them left. We know Judas was gone. They said, the Bible says Thomas was, we never know where Thomas is. He wasn't there. So I leave 10. They're all gathered around the table, scared to death, in fear on Sunday night. You'd have thought they'd have been having revival. You'd have thought that somebody would have knocked on the door and saw where the disciples were at, found the followers of Christ, knowing that he'd been seen all over town, and all kinds of people are talking about him. You'd have thought that they'd have walked in there, and man, they'd have found them in some kind of hot revival. They would be all dancing and shouting, and everybody singing, there is a shifting. You'd have thought they'd have been having a blast, been the power of God falling all over that room. But no, they were hiding in fear. Why? They didn't have the faith. They didn't believe what he said when he said, On the third day, I'm going to rise again. They, di- they weren't expecting. They didn't see the signs. They didn't see the weather patterns. They, they didn't see it all coming together. They weren't looking at the jet stream. They had no idea what was happening. Oh, don't you dare miss what God's doing in these last days. Don't you dare miss the shift. Don't you miss what God's doing. I hope you're not dead as 4 o'clock in the morning, standing here on a Sunday morning. I hope that you're not standing there and you have no concept of what's happening in the world. You have no concept of what God is doing by His Spirit. I hope when they're singing about a breaking and a shifting that something is bubbling up inside your spirit. I can hardly stand over there. Telling you there's a power of God at work in this world and it's fixing to come to a, a seismic shift and a change, an exchange. He is going to take this old world, and he says he's going to renew it. He's going to take all of this life and world, and everybody who's in positions and kingdoms and presidents and prime ministers, he's going to move them all out, and he's going to have control. One day soon, after we get through Revelation, he's going to reign and rule with us, and it's going to come. It's happening, and I believe we're on the threshold of the greatest shift this world has ever seen. It was awesome when he shot down to Bethlehem. It was amazing when the Messiah came and when he went to the cross and he resurrected on the third day. My. What a wonderful shift in the history of the church. But oh, I can't wait until I see him in the clouds. I can't wait until I hear a trumpet sound and we are caught up together with him to meet him in the air. And then we start a whole new journey and adventure. I can't wait. Don't you miss it. You can miss it. The disciples sat there on Sunday night and had no clue that they could walk out that door. That they could go out and celebrate. Everybody else was celebrating. They're locked up. Don't you dare miss it. Don't you let the enemy discourage you. Don't you let him get you all concerned with worldly stuff. Don't you let him get your mind cold and indifferent towards God. Don't you fall now. Don't you lay down now. Don't you throw in the towel now. If it was ever time for the child of God to stir up the gift that's in him, it's now. Get on your prayer knees and get in the Word of God and allow him to lead you and guide you into place of fire. He's an all-consuming fire. And he wants to touch your life today. He wants to turn this church upside down. He wants us to be a lighthouse for the lost. I want there to be people lined up all over the place. I, wish, I pray in God, it's okay. I'll preach three times. Give us a third service at 1 o'clock. Give us another one at 3 o'clock. I don't care. I want people to come. We'll preach and we'll worship and we'll praise until he comes. And we won't stop because there's a shift. In our direction. There's a breaking in our favor. And we've got to get excited about the fact that it's all fixing to change. The whole world. The whole world. Sydney. the whole world's going to know that Jesus is Lord. The whole world's going to know. All that religious right. All them people. All those people in our way. All those stuffy Christians. I don't like the stuffy Christians either. (laughs) The whole world's going to know. Don't miss it. Don't you miss it. Don't miss what he wants to do in your life right now. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Don't miss what he wants to do with you. Don't you miss out. Don't be so tired. Don't be so exhausted. Don't be so caught up in stressful things. Don't be so, so cold and indifferent in your relationship with God that you miss the shift. Let God touch you and renew and refresh you today. Maybe, maybe there's someone in this crowd that would say, you know what? I, I haven't even started that journey yet. I need to make the Lord lord of my life pastor i need to pray a prayer of salvation to accept christ into my heart if you're here today we're gonna make an altar of your seat right where you're standing no one's gonna come back to you i'm not gonna drag you down to the front this morning but if we're gonna pray and make an altar right where you're standing if you'd say i need jesus and i want to pray that prayer that makes him lord of my life i want you to slip up your hand and right back down we're gonna pray with you god bless you Is there anyone else? I want to pray a prayer to make him. God bless you. To somebody else, I need to pray that prayer to receive Jesus. I want things to be right in my life. These that have lifted their hands, is there anyone else? All right, thank you. Thank you, these that have made that decision. They want to do right. They want to give God their lives. We're going to pray that prayer first, and then we're going to pray for us as a church. It's a simple prayer. It's not magic. It, the, the words itself have no power. But if they come from your heart, the Bible says, they will transform your whole life. He says, if a man believes in his heart and confesses with his mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, the Son of God, then he is a born-again, saved Christian. So as you make that declaration today, I'm asking you to pray along with me. in church, why don't we all join them and pray together. Dear Lord Jesus, Come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. You are the son of God. You died on the cross. You rose from the dead. I know you purchased my salvation. I believe it in my heart. I confess you today. So according to your word, I'm saved. I'm born again. I'm a child of God. Strengthen me. And be the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise the Lord.